Welcome to She's Got Soul, Journey of the Modern Women podcast. I am your host, Coloma, psychologist, neuroscientist, primatologist, movement instructor, and mindfulness coach. A woman in her flow knows what she wants, feels empowered and free, and lives in the natural state of high vibration she was born to embody. This is what this show is about, a call to all women whose purpose is to express their creativity and sensuality, who are ready to experience life from a place of alignment and connectedness. Today's episode is about disappointment in relationships, how resentment is created and maintained, and how we can shift relationship dynamics that we seem to be stuck in. We want to share intimacy, which requires safety, and safety in relationships involves mindfulness, a skill we all can develop. Find some tools to connect within as I talk about the aforementioned topics in this episode. In the first episode, Kiss the Sustainable Relationships, I talk about how during the honeymoon period we focus on how amazing the other person is and how much they understand us. In this phase, we see what we want to see. After this period, though, we start experiencing disappointment. And this can happen because people change. And sometimes our partner can change in a way that we don't find attractive. We don't pause to understand that relationships are not going to meet every single one of our needs. And what we do when we feel our desires are not going to be accepted is to hide our needs. But as I said in the previous episode, needs don't disappear. They may build up and lead to depression or anger. And with this, you can't fully commit to the relationship since deep in your core, you want to be somewhere where you are fully accepted. And on top of that, you will resentment, which is the number one killer of relationships. So in order to unpack resentment and return to real intimacy, you may need to go through some challenging feelings. And many couples avoid this because it can be painful. Some couples choose not to stay together when there's a lot of resentment. Instead of learning tools of self-awareness, communication, and empathy, they just try to find another person. But finding a new person without transforming your patterns won't serve you much. I am not suggesting to stay in a relationship that doesn't feel right for you, but moving to the next partner won't help you if you haven't learned how to do relationships differently. Chances are actually that similar issues arise in your next partnership. And sometimes... You will have lifetime habits or ways of being that won't change even though they are hard for a partner to accept. And in these cases, the partner might feel disappointment and it's okay. The best thing that you can do for your partner is to allow your partner feel their disappointment while staying and listening to them lovingly. This promotes trust, heals old wounds, 
deepens connection and intimacy and fosters resilience and longevity of the relationship. Sometimes though, when desires are not met uh, within the relationship, people do what is called outsourcing. If both partners are okay with it, there won't be a problem. However, the difficulties arise when what you outsource is a threat for your partner. And at the end of the day, a relationship includes negotiation of desires, of boundaries and capacities. For it to last, you both have to honor each other's desires and be honest about your own. For this is essential that outsourcing is done honestly. If you are secretly doing something that you think your partner might not want you to do or something beyond what the two of you have agreed to, it is called cheating. What you are actually doing is lying. And you might be prone to outsource dishonestly because you are afraid that your partner will not longer love, accept, or respect you if they discover certain aspects of you. But doing this only brings problems. First, it reinforces the belief that there are parts of yourself that are unacceptable and that you will never be loved for who you are. On the other hand, even if your partner doesn't find out, it creates distance between the two. You start feeling that your partner is a cop who doesn't allow you to be who you truly are. Also, lying and keeping up a lie takes a lot of mental and emotional energy. It keeps you hypervigilant about being caught. Not to mention that your partner might feel a disconnect or that something is wrong. Finally, each lie that is discovered breaks a sense of trust and requires a lot of healing. And a lot of relationships don't survive that. One example of dishonestly outsourcing is affairs. If you had an affair, you will likely need to listen to your partner's heart feelings over and over again and keep reassuring them in order for them to heal and rebuild their trust in you. Affairs happen due to a lack of intimacy, empathy, and connection in a relationship. And because women's sexuality is repressed and men's emotionality is repressed, partnerships can be full of emotional misunderstanding. And in order to build a better understanding between the two, don't be scared of sharing your desires. They are expressions of the deepest parts of who you are. Sharing them creates connection and intimacy. At the same time, don't be afraid of sharing your boundaries to create trust and avoid resentment. Also, boundaries change. A no in the now doesn't shut the door forever. When you both feel permission to keep your boundaries, you will be able to relax and feel safer exploring. If your boundaries around a specific thing have been crossed in the past or if you have let them be crossed in your current relationship, you might need to keep your boundaries strong before you can let yourself trust again. 
and it's okay. Often the person who needs strong boundaries feels guilty and the other feels rejected. And then as a result, boundaries continue to get pushed and crossed over and over. If these dynamics resonates, you can learn how to negotiate boundaries so that you are able to open up together. Long-term boundary challenges can result, as I said, in resentment, shutdown, and even sexual dysfunction. So ask for what you want and teach by showing. You can give gentle feedback if you want to teach someone how you want to be talked to, for example. At the same time, when your partner shares their desires with you, you might feel pressure to give them what they want. But it is important to understand the difference between accepting each other's desires and having to fulfill them. If you feel that you have to fulfill their desires, but you don't want to or feel like you can't, you might get scared and lash out with judgment. So it's important that you see the desire or some part of it is something that you feel comfortable fulfilling. Just by having their desires heard and accepted, you might already make them feel loved and connected. Something that can reinforce the understanding between two partners in a relationship is also remembering each other's emotional wounds and attachment styles so we can let go of taking things personally. And we learn about the nature of emotions and what to do with them in our first attachments. Good relationships in childhood do not mean that our emotional life becomes consistently even and positive, but it does mean that we are more likely to discover that our negative emotions are workable and useful and that our positive emotions can be trusted. The same way if we were emotionally starved in our childhood relationships, our adult lovers offer us a, check on, a second chance to learn new and more effective ways to deal with our emotions. The thing is that we tend to focus on negative emotion because survival is a priority for our mind and body. But negative emotions such as anger and fear narrow, narrow our focus while positive emotion expands the range of our thoughts and creativity and the better we listen to our emotions, the better our relationships will be. At the end of the day, our brain thrives on social connection from the day we are born. In the first four years of our lives, our brain grows at a very fast pace as emotional interactions with a loving parent or caregiver plant the seeds of biochemical processes that boost nerve growth and connectivity. And these neurons talk to each other, structuring our brain. 
So emotional interaction advances brain development and lack of it does the opposite. Needless to say, this affects the ability to form and maintain social connections later in life. Especially loving contact is key to growth of a specific type of nerve cell, the mirror neuron, associated with empathy. Besides stimulating general brain growth, early interactions with loved ones are crucial to organization of the right brain, a central site for the processing of emotion. The right hemisphere is especially responsive to nonverbal cues such as facial expression and tone of voice, so we'll learn in the first interactions whether we can depend on loving responses from another to help us keep our emotional balance as well as getting the first input of how others see us and begin to formulate our sense of self. And I haven't talked about oxytocin yet, the cuddle hormone <laughs> released whenever we are physically near to those we love. Actually just thinking of our loved one triggers the secretion of this hormone and oxytocin increases our tendency to trust and engage with others in a less defensive and more empathetic way. So oxytocin spawns trust and trust generates closeness and sex and orgasm stimulates oxytocin and around it goes. So I mentioned the mirror neurons which play a huge part in maintaining love relationships are responding in a sensitive way to a partner needs is key. And this is all related to empathy, the capacity to perceive and identify with another's emotional state. If you are feeling stuck in a behavioral pattern, for example, when somebody is angry with you and all you can think about is how to stop it or fix it, finding it difficult to stay present and thus be empathetic with the person who is upset with you. That might be because you never experienced secure attachment as a child and you are extremely sensitive to threat and have only inefficient ways to calm your attachment fears. If you can relate to this attachment panic or any other behavioral pattern, you might want to reshape your brain. Good news is that the brain is plastic, so we can grow new neurons and new links between neurons throughout our lives as we have new experiences. And actually, there are two major events that naturally create massive neural reorganization. Bonding with a partner and beginning to parent. So give yourself the opportunity to heal. Choose a partner as equally committed than you, and explore the deepest parts of each other. Love each of those parts, embrace them, grow, and reshape your brain. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want more content like this, make sure to subscribe so you get notified when new episodes are released. 
You can find me on Instagram at Inspira Los Angeles for more free and insightful information about mindfulness, psychology, and ancient wisdom. If you want to dig deeper, you can also check out my website, inspiralosangeles.com. There's free content that you can download so you can have some keys on how to live life from a more integrated and aligned space. Much love.